am Chris, and this is my Writing Table podcast, where we talk to authors and other creatives about the writing world and what it takes to create the books that we love to read. Ready? Pull up a chair and let's begin. Cupolo has worked as a paparazzi photographer in London, script editor at Paramount Pictures, and a literary publicist at HarperCollins in Toronto, Canada. Her stories have been published widely. The Virginia Quarterly Review, Plowshares, Narrative Magazine, the Idaho Review, among others. She has an MFA in portrait photography from the London Institute and an MFA in creative writing from the University of Memphis. She teaches at Chapman University in Orange, California. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you. A health issue prompted you to begin writing. Do you mind sharing? Yeah, I say it's the best thing that happened to me in my life because I was a a really star athlete when I was a kid, came from a very sporty family. We had no books in our house. So I became ill with juvenile RA, rheumatoid arthritis, and, you know, was in hospital for a year and all sorts of fun things like that. So really, my teens were really quite terrible, but I became an observer and I learned to watch people and understand I don't know. I just observed them. I read a lot too, of course. That was part of it. Mm-hmm. But I became fascinated because I wanted to be invisible all the time and not be seen. So I um, just watched other people and used my imagination. And I really feel like that's the basis for my becoming a writer. Interesting. I have MS. I was much older. I was 29 when I was diagnosed. I had started grad school, but then I had children. And so I had paused grad school. And I then saved all these journals, threw away all the journals and thinking, I'll never be able to do this again. And my husband bought me a laptop and this was back in 99 when a laptop was like, I don't know, weighed like 20 pounds, I think. And he (laughs) said, here, write the book you've been talking about. And I tried. Back then, I wasn't in the right mental space. You know, it's amazing what writing can do for your spirit. Such a good outlet. I am lucky to knock on wood. Since we moved to California, things improved dramatically. Wow. I changed my diet in profound ways. So I take no drugs. I eat so cleanly now. I still drink my coffee every morning, but I don't have any grains. I eat meat and cooked veg. I don't buy any gluten-free products. It has had a profound effect on my everything. That is awesome. The Italian girl in me is like, oh, I don't know that I can go without pasta and French bread. I know. Maybe someday. It's a number of things. Stress is huge. Keep your stress down. Meditation, I will tell you, has a huge effect on me. I mean, put your feet on the ground, woman, and just take all that stuff out of your head, shut your eyes and let it all go away. And you can come back to right here, your core. And that's everything. And it's always when you're ready, right? You look at like the Loma Linda studies and you know, it's real. Diet makes a difference. Right before COVID, we went to France and stayed for almost three weeks. And I said, I'm eating whatever I want. I was on this diet. And because the food is so good there and the grains and all that, I was so happy and fine. I read that you went on to study in Nice and you worked in photography and promotions and you have had some really interesting, people need to go to your website, look at all the exciting, inspiring things that you have done. What was it that finally told you, Lisa, it's time to write? Well, I was dating boyfriends that were writers. All my boyfriends seemed to be writers. So (laughs) I was attracted to this person, you know, this type I mean, I'd always written from when I was young. When I was in London, I studied photography. And then I broke up with this writer that I've been with for a long time. And I was like, you know what? There's nothing different from 
he and I, I can do what he's doing, you know, because we knew each other so well, because there's this thing with you have to be something, whatever, Mm -hmm. to be a writer. So it was after I broke up with him that I got more and more involved in, you know, just writing in the mornings before going to work and that kind of thing. So that's where it started. And my husband's a writer, so I'm still in the, you know, cycle of being with writers. (laughs) Yeah. What does your husband write? He writes fiction too. Yeah, we cool. Yeah. Let's talk about your book, which is a collection of short stories called Have Mercy on Us. Tell us about it. Have Mercy on Us. The title sounds biblical, but it's also, it's really a a shout out to a Chekhov story called uh, Gooseberries, which has this delightful character in it who is a man. And all of my stories are mostly about women, but I have these men characters. Have Mercy on Us, it's a tribute to this man that is in the water swimming in the middle of Russia and, you know, at his friend's place and they're in this pond bathing and he won't get out of the water because he's having so much fun. (laughs) And, you know, his friends have gotten out. They've already dressed and, you know, they're ready to leave. He says, oh, Lord, have mercy on us because he's just in this joy in the water. And I love that story. And George Saunders brings it up in his A Swim in the Pond book. And it helps me to title my uh, collection that way. But these stories are about love all sorts of love, familial love. There's a range of characters. You know, I have a a young woman who's my main character in a story and she's with a bunch of friends, like they do a group therapy session just around a table one day. And that's the whole story is them doing a group therapy session. You know, I have older women, I have younger women. They're the most interesting to me in terms of what we've been given and where we are right now. And of course they take place from France to Greece, to Toronto, Calgary, all sorts of locations. So it was fun to write them. Obviously there are a lot of characters in this. Is there one in particular you really identified with? Well, so many of them. I love, I deeply love my characters. I'm always trying to show the duplicity of people. You know, why I love to write or read, which is different than my daughter, who's obsessed with movies, is when you're reading about characters, they're saying one thing, but they're doing something else. And they're giving you that, right? So Mm -hmm. I love my characters because you're getting the inside. They're really terrified. We're all walking around terrified all the time. And they're telling us honestly, in in a story, what they're really thinking. And I love to write dialogue, but then it's always the, okay, what am I thinking? What's she actually thinking in this situation? Because I think that's what gets readers. That's what gets us reading because we feel like, oh, we're not alone anymore. You know, I want to hear what happens next and what what she really does in this situation. How many of us say, oh, I'm fine. Uh Your character (laughs) says I'm fine. And the beauty of it is if it's well-written, we know what that internal dialogue is that, no, she is not fine. Exactly. (laughs) I was talking to Louise Marburg recently, another author who writes short stories. We were talking about how you have to be so disciplined when you write short stories. It's one step up from poetry. You have to really dilute. It has to be so concentrated. What was it that drew you to the short story? I just love the form. I read a lot of short stories, of course, but when I talk, I'm usually deflecting and asking other people questions. Mm-hmm. And I'm very staccato in how I, you know, how I express. And so I love to whittle down a short story. There's not a lot of fluff. It's not just every sentence counts. It's like every word. And I really believe that there's a perfect word for each single, you know, everything that you say. And when you get that word, it's just like, oh, you know, you know it. There's nothing else that would fit in that way. So within the first paragraph, you have to be there. You have to be like, okay, I'm here. What's the situation? Who's the character? And I usually start with character, which is to me what I love to know what's going on in the character's mind, what the trouble is. 
And then, okay, well, how's she going to approach this or get herself out of this? So when you're whittling away, before you start that, how do you know how short it needs to be? And how do you know how much to take out? In terms of numbers, is it so many pages? How many words? How does that work? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, of course, every story speaks to itself, but there is sort of the, okay, if I want to get this published, it's got to be between 10 and 20 pages, right? Somewhere Mm -hmm. in there, not too long to, unless you're writing flash. So I don't overwrite. I usually have to push myself to pre-write and add more. So it comes in spurts and pieces and it takes a long time. For instance, you know, a story that I have in the collection, it was about eight pages. It's called You're Here Now, about a woman who's on the way to her father's funeral, a man Mm -hmm. she's never met before, but she's going to his funeral. And she's meeting the eight siblings she never met who are his kids. And you're Italian, you know, there's the whole line of eight kids you're going to meet. And she's going to the funeral. Long story short, I wrote that story and I thought it was done. And it was maybe 10 pages. And then a friend of mine said, the family ends up inviting her to their house. And I ended there. And my friend was like, you have to take her to the house. You have to go actually engage with these people. And again, it's dialogue. And I find when it's really hard, that's when you're getting to the good stuff. When it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, what's she going to say when she gets to this house? Who's going to talk to her first? What? There's eight siblings. So then it ended up to be probably 15, 16 pages. And I got that scene in there. I can't imagine not seeing how they're going to react to her and vice versa. I commend you for being able to be disciplined enough to do that. I, I have struggled. The times I've tried to write short stories, I've just struggled with it. I'm a girl who got checks and refraining from unnecessary talking. And I think I write that way too. I like to talk about my people. And that's just style. It's just a difference in style. So my thing is I have to work on really fleshing it out, really making sure what I want to say is there. It's the same way with other things. Like I always think I'm not great at like writing a descriptive passage about the house, like, you know, setting it down, that kind of thing. I don't feel, but, but I'm, you know, I, I feel like I do really well in the dialogue and then the character knowing who that character is. So that's where you got to go. Okay. Pretend it's math class, the hardest thing ever. And, you know, do it as well as you can. And then, you know, go on. You said something about when it's harder, that's when you know, that's the good stuff. I found that when there's a scene in a book and you're thinking, oh, I could do that, but Mm, do I really want to go through all that? It's kind of like showing a part of you that you don't want anyone to see. And it's when you go through that, it's so worth it. You push through and you look back and you're like, oh, now I understand why I didn't want to do that. It's usually worth it. Those are not the scenes we cut. (laughs) Well, and sometimes you have to do it just to get to know the character, you know, even more. I say to students when I'm teaching, it's like, You have to know what's in the refrigerator. Not like you're going to list what's in the refrigerator, but you've got to know what they eat. What do they put? What's on their feet? What are they wearing? What, you know, are they wearing trainers or do they have dress shoes? It's really important. You've got to really know that character well. When you are writing a short story, it's like a mini novel and you've got so many important pieces that have to go in. You've got the character development. You've got the dialogue. It's not like you're getting to cheap out because it's a short story. How long does it take you from, you know, that nugget of an idea to where you feel like, okay, now I'm okay with someone else reading it? Oh, it takes months for me, for sure. Months. I have a process of writing something when it's hot and ready and then leaving it at least for two weeks and then coming back and saying, gosh, who is this? The leaving it part is a good thing to do. It's hard to do when you're teaching a class or you're in a classroom, Mm -hmm. but 
it, it really does need time to percolate. That's why editing and editing and editing is just beauty. For me, it's taken a long time. I mean, this is my first book. Of course, I have two novels and I have a memoir mm-hmm. I'm working on and I'm working on another novel. Wow. <laughs> We have a lot that we're always working on. It takes a while. That's the thing. I mean, life is, as a writer, we can only do it because we can't do anything else. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason to be a writer. <laughs> not for the money and yeah. it's not for the fame. Absolutely. <laughs> the companionship of other writers is so wonderful. I mean, mm-hmm. I have writer friends all over the country, all over the world, really. That's everything because we can connect on this. And really, we're just trying to figure out what life's about. That's, that's why mm-hmm. we're here anyway, because through characters, we're trying to understand life. We're trying to find truth. We're trying to find meaning. That's it. I'll try to figure out what life's about. I'm going to quote you really good. You know, it's true. In, in whatever genre you write, you're still just trying to tell that human story. Yes. How we connect to each other and love each other, because mm. that's all we're looking for is love, acceptance. You know, am I okay? Well, none of us are okay, you know, but we're trying to be. That's all we're trying to do is be okay and be safe when, you know, really it's groundless underneath us. We're always grasping for the safety, but really there isn't any. And it's terrifying as hell. So, yeah. You got to have somebody to reach out and grab another hand and know that we're going to fall, but we're going to fall together. Yeah. If you're lucky, you get that. If you're lucky. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And books can do that. They can give you that feeling that you're not alone. Absolutely. You're not falling alone. As you prepare for this book to launch, this is about to happen. January 24th. Is that right? Yes. From your time as a publicist at HarperCollins, what are a few things that you're seeing yourself do? So different. I was a publicist in Toronto for years and worked with, you know, incredible authors from Elmore Leonard. He was like one of my favorite authors ever. My husband, that's how I met my husband. I was his publicist. The cliche of all cliches. Um, But I was great at publicizing other people. It's harder to do it for yourself, of course. And I, I had to hire a publicist. But really just selecting what you want to do and being, you know, knowing yourself, because I feel like I'm not the person that's going to go 20 different bookstores or something like that. But I love to talk about writing because of my background as as a teacher. I really love to talk about writing. So I love podcasts. I love to do conversations. I have like five conversations, you know, coming up, that kind of thing. So And don't stretch yourself too thin, you know, because really as writers, we really just want to get back to the work. I just want to get back to what I'm working on. So I feel like a balance and being okay to say, no, I don't think that that's my thing. I'm not going to do book talk video where I'm flogging my book. That's just not my jam. Yeah. But it's scary. It's like if you say I'm not going to do that or the agents can say we don't want her because she said she's not going to do this or are there going to be bookstores that are like, well, if you're not going to play to our customers, then it's a scary thought. And really, if your writing is good, your writing is good and people will read it. Look at Elena Ferrante. Who even knows if that's her name? She has not done (laughs) one interview. Well, maybe she's done a little. And she wrote that column for The Guardian for a while. But her writing is stunning. If you don't have good writing, there's nothing to build on. So I just want to, you know, be like, I think my stories are good. And, you know, you might like reading them and have an enjoyable afternoon sitting with a story or with this character. You know, that's what it comes down to. So I'm not bothered by what I should do because it's really a long list right now of those Mm -hmm. kinds of things. And and so you have to just like be who you are and own that and just be honest with the world. It's hard, especially as a newbie author, you feel that pressure of, 
oh my gosh, do I have enough followers? I don't know. Maybe it was COVID or maybe it's now that I've published a couple books. I'm just not that worried about it. It's like, I need the book to be right, not my social media presence. Um, right, exactly. And um, I think that's the best way to be. Take more walks. Whenever you start to think about the followers go for a walk. What do you wish you had known before you began? This is a good question. I wish I'd known that it's stressful, more stressful this part, like they're putting it out there in the world. Mm -hmm. So I say these things like take more walks, but I really need to take a lot of walks right now. I wish I'd known like my husband, who's he's published a lot. I mean, he has 22 books. He's like, you'll get this thing where you feel really weird after like when the book comes out, it just feels strange. And I'm getting great, you know, interviews and things like that. But it's sort of a real high and a low. And so spiritually, I'm always working on, you know, if you're going through a rough time in life, right? You're still the same person. Your thoughts are create your your existence. It's trying to be as Zen as you can. Even mm-hmm. when you're on a, you know, a good high or a low, you're still the same person. You know, your thoughts are the same. So leaning into that, into, you know, what I was talking about with meditation, that really keeps me so grounded. It's like, yeah, it's just a lifetime. We're just here so for a So you meditate when you, when you get stressed, you you are I do. A good yeah okay. yeah I meditate every day in the morning and then if I feel overwhelmed or things happen I either walk or I really just take a break napping nice. is also hugely important <laughs> I don't know how it is in your house but do you find that like sometimes people think you're napping because it looks like you're napping but you're not <laughs> napping if you're writing a book you're not like it's you're right. gin and ideas absolutely <laughs> I totally check out I absolutely do. I pay attention to dreams a lot. And I wake up with my pen in hand recording whatever it is that, you know, happened in the night. Because before I go to bed at night, I ask the question of something I'm in my work or something in my personal life to for answers. And oftentimes I forget the next morning and just go on. But sometimes I get really great answers. And um, yeah, I believe in there's so much more we don't know that's always at work in the world. Oh, yeah. It has nothing to do with social media. It's how we you connect with each person, like the two of us connecting right now. And then the next person I meet at the grocery store or on a walk or, you know, how I treat my kid when I go back in the house. You know, it's that's all that matters in a day. Have you read anything interesting lately when you're not prepping for your book tour? Yes. I'm reading this book right now called Cat Brushing. It's a collection of stories. I think her name is Jane Campbell. Uh, I think she's from Australia. Anyway, they're older women's stories. They're all about old women. And they're so sexy. They're the sexiest wow. stories. So well written. I, think, I can't wait to write a fan letter to her. I love to write fan letters to writers that I don't know. And if I really, you know, my, my head's blown by what they've written, you know, reach out and say, gosh, yeah. this is really good. Because of my time in France, Valerie Perrin, her latest this summer got a lot of buzz called Three astonishing if you want to talk about involved characters there's three is about three different friends that are friends for the entire life she starts at kindergarten or whatever in france it is lycee and goes all the way up till the end with these three characters and you cannot look away you are absolutely sitting there i recommend her highly she's up there for me now with elena ferrante in terms of writers i learned from writing the opposite because they're so involved in the psychology 
of mm-hmm. what's happening, turning things and turning things in their heads. And you're still with them as they keep turning. And I, I have to always go back and go, how did she do that? And I love that. Those are a couple that I'm reading now. In your view, what are the most important elements of good writing? Engaging the reader and with the character. That's what I'm always looking for or surprising me from the start. To find that the way that the language is written, that I'm somewhere completely that I didn't know existed. It's like a whole new world I didn't think existed. Mostly for me, it's character. That's really high on the list. What do you find the most fun about writing? Editing. I find the actual getting the original part down, my head's going through concrete through a wall. It's so hard for me (laughs) to get that first draft. But then the editing part is like, if I've got the bones down, I'm going back and back and back. I love to edit. I really love to edit. It's not easy. But I'm in there. You have that core. Like somebody's handed you this. They haven't handed it because you had to earn it. But you know what you're trying to say. It's the best. Do you have any advice for newbie writers? You just got to go for it. If you're just getting started, you're getting that feeling of like, okay, I'm a writer. I've got something to put down. The best feeling in the world is having written. That's the best feeling. If you're a new writer and you're writing, writing, and you feel glorious after you feel like you've done something with your day, then keep going. I have a million things that I tell my students about different things. You're writing in one point of view, like first person, switch the entire story to second person or third and see what you learn about the character just by doing a straight rewriting. Lower your expectations and keep going is a big one too, because you know, we're so pretentious. Lower your expectations. You're just visiting the work. You're just sitting there. You're visiting the story today. You're sitting with the story. Have some fun. (laughs) Maybe your character wants a cup of coffee. So if we can be more playful with it and ourselves, and that's like a life lesson. To learn more, visit lisacupolo.com. If you're enjoying The Writing Table, please consider leaving us a review. There are so many podcasts out there. Reviews help other listeners find us. Thanks so much for your support.